Hi, and welcome to the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press. I am your host, Kylie Gable, and this week we have a new audio from Raina Means Queen. Um, it's a little longer than usual, which means I'm actually able to show a little bit of a, or play a little bit of a longer clip than usual. I think the clip is about 37 minutes. It's from a story I did, I think, two summers ago called The Sorority Bitches, which is about a couple of college roommates who make a mistake of messing with the wrong sorority girls. Since I am showing the, um, why do I keep saying showing? I don't know. <laughs> Since I am playing this clip from the beginning, um, there really is no introduction necessary, but I think you'll enjoy it. Raina does an excellent job on this story. It's the sorority bitches and the narrator is Raina Means Queen. The Sorority Bitches, written by Kylie Gable and Claudia Acosta, narrated by Raina Means Queen. He had seen them around, of course. As a freshman at DuPont College, living in Clancy Hall, he was very aware that his room was just across a small side street, barely larger than an alley from the Zeta Omega Kappa sorority house <laughs> every night charlie o'connell used to stare out the window at the sorority girls and wonder if he'd ever have a chance with any of them before he graduated it wasn't even october yet and it was still pleasantly warm one afternoon when he laid out on the grass to read his economics textbook he pulled off his t-shirt and used it as a pillow it wasn't too comfortable, but the book was so boring that within moments, he had fallen fast asleep. It was the sound of whistling that woke him up. Two girls were standing at the side door of the Zeta house and whistling for his attention. It finally woke him up, and he was surprised to see them waiting for him to come over. They were cute girls. Neither was particularly tall, which was fine with him at only five foot five. They both were quite buxom with their tight sorority t-shirts, struggling to contain their large breasts. Charlie wasn't about to pass up a chance like this. He raced over to see what they wanted, leaving his t-shirt, towel, and econ textbook behind. The taller girl introduced herself as Kelly. She had long black hair and struck him as a bit of a girly girl. On the other hand, the other girl, Mandy, was barely over five feet tall. She had a great smile and infectious laugh. Her hair was shorter, but definitely stylish. Can I help you with something or did you just call me over to meet me? Asked Charlie. Well, said Kelly. Mostly we wanted to meet our neighbor, but if you wanted to help us with something, yeah, there's something you could do for us. It shouldn't take long and we'd be very grateful, cooed Mandy. Well, I was really bored reading my economics book, said Charlie. Reading? More like you were sleeping, said Mandy. Both girls laughed and Charlie instantly fell in love with their infectious laughter. Well, I did say it was boring, replied Charlie sheepishly. 
Well, I did it. Well, I did say it was boring, replied Charlie sheepishly. Kelly and Mandy led Charlie up to their second floor room. The sorority house seemed like a dream. There were hot girls everywhere. And he made up his mind to keep on Mandy and Kelly's good side so that he'd be invited back. How can I be of service, ladies? asked Charlie. Right to business. I like that, observed Mandy. Well, what we need is on the top shelf of the closet, if you can reach that bag up there for us, said Kelly. Yeah, no problem, replied Charlie. Later, he would realize just how foolish he was. It's not like there weren't 20 girls in the house taller than him. Thanks, Charlie, said Mandy. This pink bag here, asked Charlie. No, the blue one at the very top, said Kelly. Charlie could just reach it if he stretched on his tiptoes. That was exactly what the girls hoped he would do. As he leaned forward as far as he could, Kelly subtly put her foot in front of his legs and Mandy pushed him forward. He tripped forward, his fall broken by the clothes on the closet floor. <laughs> Very funny, replied Charlie, but he soon realized the trick was not simply tripping him. Kelly held down his ankles while Mandy pulled his wrists behind his back and began lashing his hands together. I got him now, said Mandy. She was far from done, but his wrist had been wrapped four times by a coil of rope that was then cinched. By the time Charlie could figure out a way out of that, she'd have added a lot more to his bondage. Mandy had not been into tying people up for very long, but it was almost like she had found her true calling in life. <laughs> she weaved intricate spider webs like a black widow playing with her prey as well as restraining it. If she left a knot where her victim could reach it, it was because she wanted him to reach it, and usually because that knot was completely irrelevant and untying it would do nothing but waste time. This isn't funny, protested Charlie, as he felt his freedom slip away. I don't know about that, said Kelly. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> okay, his wrists are done. We can pull him up, said Mandy. The two girls pulled him up to his feet, where Mandy wrapped more rope to secure his arms to his sides. Mandy went over to the makeup collection that she had arranged on her desk. She found a bright cherry red lipstick and unscrewed the top. Charlie looked at it like a serpent ready to strike. Bringing the lipstick up to his forehead and steadying him with her left hand on the back of his head in perfect penmanship, she scrawled the Greek letters Zeta Omega Kappa on his forehead. What did you write on my forehead? asked Charlie. Oh, relax. We like to put our name on our property is all, said Kelly. I'm not your property, argued Charlie. Well, you kind of look like it now, joked Amanda. She pulled tightly to finish knotting off the ropes around Charlie's chest. Can you please hold him still for me? asked Kelly. With Pleasure, said Mandy. 
With his arms pinned to his side and his hands restrained behind his back, it was easy for her to anchor him in place. Kelly again wrote on their frightened captive. With big sweeping letters, she put B-I-T-C-H right across his chest. He audibly sighed when he saw it. Oh, somebody likes your handiwork, teased Kelly. I do not, protested Charlie, trying to shake free of Mandy, but without any luck. Would you like us to let you go, asked Mandy. Yes, of course I do, said Charlie angrily. Maybe after some pictures, said Kelly, grabbing her phone. Oh, come on, complained Charlie. Hold this, said Kelly. If we're going to do pictures, let's make sure he's presentable. Kelly grabbed Charlie's chin in her left hand and squeezed his cheeks until his lips puckered. Then she applied the bright red lipstick to his lips as well. Aw, somebody is pretty now, said Mandy, <laughs> laughing at Charlie's comical appearance. She noticed him shuddering with shame and humiliation. The lipstick really seemed to affect him. She wondered if Kelly noticed it too. Mandy snapped a dozen selfies of the three of them. Do you want copies, teased Kelly. No, snapped Charlie. Oh, don't pout, cooed Kelly. I think we need to let Charlie here go. We've monopolized enough of his time, said Mandy. Yes, please just let me go, pleaded Charlie, turning his back and offering his bound hands to Mandy. But rather than untying him, Mandy pantsed him. Kelly needed the bed to study herself. She was laughing so hard at the sight of Charlie with his pants and underwear tangled at his ankles. <laughs> okay, now you can go, said Mandy, cackling wickedly. The girls each grabbed one of Charlie's arms and pushed him out in the doorway before slamming the door to the room. He tripped over his pants and wound up face down on the carpet just as a pair of Zetas were walking by. Nice package, said the blonde girl. Looks a little small to me, said her Asian friend. Charlie was pretty sure he had an average-sized penis, but that didn't mean he wanted everybody to see it. Without the use of his hands, it took considerable squirming for Charlie to get up to his feet. He wanted to race out of the house before anybody else saw him, but going down the stairs with his pants and underwear bunched around his ankles was a tricky proposition. It took him nearly five minutes to shuffle down the stairs, and in that time, he drew quite an audience. The women of the sorority house gathered at the bottom of the stairs and laughed at the pantsless stranger stumbling down their stairs. When he got to the bottom, things got a bit easier. He rushed to the back door and tried to open the door behind his back. It took another couple of precious minutes, and then mercifully, he was outside. Unfortunately, he was still pantsless outside. The windows of the sorority were full of Zetas laughing their heads off at Charlie's appearance. Charlie tried to bend down to pull up his pants, but Mandy had tied his hands facing the wrong direction, and it was impossible. He heard two familiar voices laughing at him from the second floor window,
but he ignored them and ran straight for the bushes next to the dorm where he could get some privacy and try to undo Mandy's handiwork. Unfortunately, undoing her handiwork was no easy matter. She hadn't left any knots where he could cinch them and the rope was tightly cinched so he couldn't just slip out of the ropes either. It looks like he went into the bushes to hide, said Mandy. It's going to take him a long time to get out of that without a knife. How mean are we feeling, asked Kelly. Very mean, said Mandy, giggling at the question. Yeah, me too, replied Kelly. Why? Kelly picked up her phone again and dialed it. Hello, campus security? I'm a student at the Zeta Omega Kappa House. And I'm looking out my window, and there's a guy at Clancy Hall, hiding in the bushes and looking in the windows. He's not wearing any pants. Oh, that is mean, said Mandy. Kelly and Mandy pulled chairs over to the window and watched. At one point, they saw Charlie glaring up at them and waved and blew him kisses. He had no idea that security was coming for him. But soon... Two campus security guards screeched to a halt in front of Charlie's dorm. Both guards were women. One was tall, Hispanic, while the other was a shorter blonde. This is perfect, said Mandy. Even though it was still sunny outside, the security guards shined flashlights into the bushes. Charlie tried to hide, but soon the light of the flashlights was on him. Step out now, sir, said the blonde security guard. Hands up, added the Hispanic. With much trepidation, Charlie exited the security of the bushes. It was only now that the guard saw that he was bound and could read the sorority letters written on Charlie with lipstick. Well, we won't ask you to put your hands up, said the blonde. Don't you dare put anything up, teased the Hispanic. Whatever you did to those girls, I hope it was worth it, said the blonde as her partner went over to untie him. I didn't do anything, protested Charlie. Well, we'll put it down as a prank unless you want us to pursue it, said the Hispanic guard. No, I just want to forget about it, said Charlie, finally pulling up his pants and rubbing the circulation back into his wrist. Well, that went better than we could have hoped, said Mandy. That's for sure, said Kelly. How fun was that? <laughs> Following his brush with campus security, Charlie picked up his econ textbook, shirt, and towel before racing into the dorm and up to his room. Getting the lipstick writing off was harder than he expected, and he was still trying to scrub it off with soap and water when his roommate, Scott, walked in and plopped on his bed. What happened to you? You haven't heard, asked Charlie? I'm shocked. Nope, not a word. The writing is cute. Are you pledging Zeta Omega Kappa now? No, some girls at the Zeta house did this to me, said Charlie. Oh, wow, said Scott, suppressing a laugh. What did you do to them? Hell if I know, said Charlie. But they wrote on me with lipstick and it's not coming off. Yeah, it's stained. It looks like red marker now, said Scott. Soap and water are not doing it. No, this is as good as it gets. Scott began to type on his phone and soon announced, You need oil. 
You mean like gasoline, asked Charlie? No, stupid. Like if you don't have makeup remover, baby oil or even cooking oil will work. I don't have any of that, said Charlie. I have some in the medicine cabinet, said Scott. Help yourself. Why do you have baby oil? My elbows get dry and gross, said Scott. Same with the bottom of my feet. It's weird, but it seems to get this lipstick off, so thanks, said Charlie. How are you going to get them back, asked Scott. I don't know. What can I do? I know that they have a party over at the Sigma house. Great. I guess I can try and crash the party, suggested Charlie. No. Think about it. When they're all out of the house, that's when you mess with their room and get revenge. How would I get inside? They leave the doors locked, said Charlie. They don't lock all the windows. You find an open window and you can go right inside. Not every girl will be at the party, I'm sure. Maybe not, replied Scott. You just have to avoid the rooms with the girls in them and be quiet. I don't know. That sounds risky, said Charlie. You're going to let them get away with this then? Okay, I'll do it if you come with me, said Charlie. You got it, replied Scott. Nobody but me messes with my roommate. (laughs) On the day of the party, they struck. The two freshmen looked a bit silly as they dressed in black and snuck across the two lawns and the road that separated Clancy Hall from the Zeta house. They crept behind the house where it was less likely that somebody passing by would see them, and they found an open first floor window to crawl in through. See, I told you it would be easy, said Scott. Don't jinx us. Let's get to their room and get out of here, said Charlie. Lead the way. Charlie led Scott upstairs into Kelly and Mandy's room. He remembered it had a Harry Potter poster on it, so it wasn't too hard to find. Quietly, they slid the door open, thankful that it wasn't locked. So, what are we going to do, asked Charlie. Well, they wrote on you with lipstick. Why not do the same to their walls, suggested Scott. Good idea. As Charlie used every lipstick that he could find to write sorority bitches on one wall and Zeta cunts on the other in two foot high letters, Scott busied himself going through their underwear drawers. Charlie looked over and could see his roommate with his hands full of panties that he was smelling deeply. What are you doing, asked Charlie. They have some really sexy underwear. Take a look, whispered Scott. We don't have time for this, replied Charlie. Let's take some panties with us, said Scott. It'll be like a panty raid. Pick one out. Just grab a pair for me and let's get out of here. Scott shoved a half dozen panties down his shirt and into his pants, and the two boys took off down the hall. One of the Zetas, who was sick with a cold and missed the dance, thought she heard something. But by the time she investigated, they were gone. Oh my God, my heart is beating a mile a minute, said Charlie, as he caught his breath just inside the doorway. Scott threw the panties he stole on his bed before declaring, You were avenged, bro. (laughs) I think they're going to be pissed, worried Charlie out loud. So let them be, replied Scott. They started this. 
When Kelly and Mandy returned from the party, they were both a bit tipsy. They were laughing loudly and reveling in the good time they just had. That is, until they opened the door and saw they had been vandalized. Shit! exclaimed Kelly, looking around the room in disgust. How did this happen? asked Mandy, running her finger over the graffiti. Well, we didn't lock the door to our room. Nobody locks the door to their room. Nobody does, said Mandy. Oh, shit. I wonder who else got it. For the next 10 or 15 minutes, the girls pounded on doors and checked with their sorority sisters. None of them had any damage or anything out of place in their rooms. It was that pervy guy, I bet, said Kelly. The guy we fucked with? Yeah, probably, said Mandy. That stuff is going to be a bitch to get off our wall, said Kelly. Yeah, it will be, said Mandy. This isn't over. We'll talk about it in the morning, said Kelly. I'm beat. When the girls awoke the next morning around 10, Mandy opened the window to let some air in and saw the familiar sight of some of her underwear. The difference was that this underwear was hanging from one of the dorm room windows on the second floor of Clancy Hall. I'm going to kill him, exclaimed Mandy. What's wrong, asked Kelly, surprised to see her usually calm roommate so agitated. Our panties are hanging from their dorm room window, said Mandy. I'm going to go over there and kick that scrawny little twerp's ass. Don't. I don't see why not. Because we can get him to come over here instead and get our revenge, said Kelly. I'm listening. We have pictures, said Kelly. I'm going to blow them up and post them outside our window. Kelly was a whiz at computer graphics. It took her no time to blow the pictures up to a size that was easily visible from Clancy Hall, as well as the street below. She had put colorful backgrounds on the pictures and even turned some into memes with humiliating captions. Within two hours of the pictures going up, they received word that there was a guy downstairs who seemed extremely angry and wanted to see them. While Kelly went downstairs to go get Charlie and bring him up, Mandy went across the hall to talk to the two sisters who lived there, Lauren and Anita. When Kelly and Charlie made it up the stairs, they found Mandy sitting in the room calmly on the bed. As soon as Charlie felt they had some privacy, he bellowed, Those pictures need to come down now. I don't think so, said Mandy. You defaced our walls. Those aren't coming clean without painting. And you went through our underwear and then hung it out your window. The underwear wasn't me. Then who was it, snapped Kelly. My roommate, I swear. How many of you perverts broke in here, asked Mandy. Just the two of us, I swear. If you take them down, I'll get Scott to return your underwear. Scott is your roommate, asked Mandy. Now will you take those pictures down? We'll take something down, replied Mandy, crossing her arms across her chest. What? replied Charlie angrily. You, smirked Kelly. Girls, called Mandy. Anita and Lauren stepped out of the closets. They were, for lack of a better term, Amazons. Anita was a six-foot-tall African-American girl 
who played power forward on the basketball team, while Lauren was a blonde, blue-eyed, 5 foot 10 inches tall javelin thrower on the track team. They had been best friends since they pledged together, and they were Kelly and Mandy's big sisters. They weren't going to let this guy mess with Kelly and Mandy. Charlie tried to make a run for it, but they quickly and not too gently grabbed him. Just let me go, demanded Charlie. Now why would we do that, asked Anita. You are in a lot of trouble, you know, said Mandy. Breaking and entering, vandalism, theft, sexual assault. Expulsion is probably the least of what you're going to face. Assault? I didn't assault anybody, protested Charlie. You didn't rape anybody, but you did go through our panties without permission. I feel violated, said Mandy. Me too, agreed Kelly. They can prove all of it too, said Lauren. Are the panties still hanging from your window? If you don't want us to call the authorities, you have one chance to cooperate, warned Mandy. Just one. Scott needs to be punished too, said Kelly. Yeah, he does, agreed Mandy. Fine, said Charlie. Breaking in and everything was his idea. Good, then I need you to call him. But first, we have some time to kill before you phone your roommate, said Mandy. Strip, said Kelly, rather quietly. What? asked Charlie. I said strip, bitch, she snapped. Her tone totally changed, and it frightened Charlie. You want me to strip in front of everybody? Yeah, genius. I told you not to make me repeat myself. Charlie didn't like being naked in front of a bunch of girls at all, but he still began taking his clothes off. He told himself it wasn't anything they hadn't seen already. It hasn't grown since last time, said Kelly. Now let's get his ass into the bathroom. With Lauren and Anita's help, he was dragged down the hall to the bathroom, and after Kelly went in to make sure no unsuspecting Zeta, who happened to be showering, got walked in on, with a close clear, Charlie was thrown into the shower. Kelly gave him a purple and white bottle and told him, I want you to open it and spread the cream all over your legs, arms, and body. Charlie popped open the bottle and began to spread the thick pink cream all over his body where Kelly directed him. After a few minutes, she shook her head and asked for the bottle. She donned a pair of yellow rubber gloves and spread the cream all over his back, shoulders, and buttocks. What is this stuff? It stings, complained Charlie. It tingles, giggled Mandy. Don't you worry about what it is, said Kelly. Actually, there's still a lot left. I guess we should do your head, too. Kelly poured the remains of the bottle all over his head and covered every inch of his scalp. That better not be hair remover, protested Charlie. You're not as big a bimbo as I thought, said Mandy. Don't move an inch for the next ten minutes or else, ordered Kelly. After ten minutes, Kelly handed Charlie a green washcloth and ordered him to get busy and wipe off all that cream. Gratefully, he did as instructed. But his worst fears were confirmed when the shower was turned on and everywhere he wiped with the washcloth, 
the hair seemed to melt away and flow down the drain. He put his head under the shower and soon he was as bald as a cue ball. In a panic, he felt his smooth scalp and was near tears. The only thing that stopped him from crying was Kelly helping to wipe off any excess cream. Mandy handed him a fluffy pink towel to dry off with. (laughs) Next, Kelly handed him a bottle of body wash with a powerful feminine scent and told him to wash off. When he was done, he smelled like a flower garden. Oh my God, this stuff smells terrible. Just shut up and get your ass back to our room, ordered Kelly. The girls guided Charlie back to Kelly and Mandy's room and sat him down on the bed. He knew where the girls were taking things, so he was surprised they didn't sit him at the vanity. The girls couldn't stop laughing at his hairless body. When Charlie caught his own reflection in the mirror, he had to admit that he looked very pathetic. Where are my damn clothes, demanded Charlie. Hey, watching them was your responsibility, said Mandy. Just do what you're told, and you'll be getting some clothes soon enough, replied Kelly. Over the next 30 minutes, Charlie looked on in horror as Kelly worked on his fingers and Mandy worked on his toes. They filed and lengthened his nails and coated both in two coats of bright red nail polish and one coat of clear. I think I really like the new you joked, Mandy. Please stop, pleaded Charlie. This isn't fair. Kind of late for that, isn't it? asked Anita. Look what you did to their room. After the nails were dry, Kelly began to set out makeup on the vanity. If Mandy was an expert on tying guys up, Kelly was a makeover genius. She wasn't just good with makeup, but it was almost like a sixth sense for how to best apply makeup for a person's skin color and the shape of their face. Now, she turned her considerable talents to Charlie. No, I can't wear makeup. I'll look like a girl. That's part of the punishment, princess. So quit your complaining or we're calling the police and you can explain to the other people in the holding cell why you have such pretty nails, said Mandy. Oh yeah, I bet you'll be very popular, said Lauren. Charlie was seething, but he shut his mouth as Kelly began to work on his face. Over the next half hour, Kelly did her magic, including smoothing out his complexion with foundation, covering his lips with bright red lipstick, and coating his eyelids with baby blue eyeshadow. She even used false eyelashes on him and used black eyeliner to really make his eyes pop. Now, let's do something about your hair, said Kelly. She went into the closet and pulled out a blonde shoulder-length wig. This is complimentary of Mora. She's in the drama department and was happy to donate. Kelly covered Charlie's head with a smelly greenish gel and set the wig on top, holding down and applying pressure so that it would stick to the glue. She squeezed it tight against his scalp, making it very difficult to remove without a solvent. As Charlie looked in the mirror, he couldn't believe it. 
He really did look like he had a pretty girl's face on the body of a wimpy, hairless guy. He tugged on the wig and it wouldn't move. That's only slightly less sticky than super glue. You're not going to be able to just pull it off, said Kelly. Why you'd want to get rid of it, I don't know. Blondes have a lot more fun, you know, said Mandy. You are going to turn a lot of heads when Kelly is done with you, said Lauren. I think I know a few guys who would love to meet her, said Anita. Time to finish him up, said Kelly. Taking a bottle of pink sugar perfume and spraying him until he was covered with the sweet scent of the perfume, he didn't even protest, even as the scent washed over him. You sure are going to look so sweet in your little outfit, sissy, mocked Lauren. Kelly dug through her drawers until she found a pink strapless satin push-up bra, matching panties, and a pair of thigh-high stockings for Charlie. Interesting undies, said Mandy. I have just the perfect dress picked out for Cinderella here, and I picked his lingerie accordingly, explained Kelly, as she made her way over to the closet and pulled out a dress that nearly made Charlie faint. It was a mauve, rib-knit, mini sweater dress with a fold-over, off-the-shoulder neckline, long sleeves, and a bodycon silhouette. The dress was short enough that Charlie knew it would only be upper thigh length on him. You know, a lot of guys wouldn't have the shoulders for that, but I think for our little wimpy friend, it's perfect, said Mandy. I'm glad you approve, said Kelly before turning to Charlie. Well, you've been complaining about not having clothes. Now you've got them, so put them on. I can't, protested Charlie. Aw, cause it's a whittled dress, teased Mandy. You'll be fine, little princess. Once he had donned the clothes, there were a few problems. For one, Kelly was a 36C and Mandy was even bigger. The empty cups of the bra looked ridiculous and it just seemed like too big a space to fill with tissues or socks. That won't do, said Mandy. You know, I have a B-cup white bra that's strapless. It might fit better, suggested Anita. I have some breast enhancers that will boost him up a cup size, said Lauren. Noticing everybody looking at her, she exclaimed, What? I'm an A-cup. I have to improvise sometimes. That would be great, replied Kelly. Can you get it? What about Princess, asked Anita. I don't think he's anxious to run through the sorority house in that outfit, said Mandy. Hey, what size are your feet, asked Kelly. I wear a size nine, said Anita, and Bigfoot here wears an 11. Hey, snapped Lauren in mock anger. What size do you wear, Charlie, asked Kelly. Those are both way too big. I'm only a seven, so you're out of luck, said Charlie, finally getting a piece of good luck. You do know that women's shoes are two sizes bigger than men's shoes, right? Asked Kelly. <laughs> he does now, joked Mandy. All four girls laughed at Charlie's realization that Anita's shoes would fit him perfectly. I don't have anything really fancy because I don't have a lot of chances to wear heels at my height, but 
I have some black platforms with an open toe. That should be darling on him, said Anita. Once the bra was swapped out and the heels were placed on his feet, a strand of pearls was placed around his neck and matching clip-on earrings were placed on his ears. One of the girls in the house never got pierced ears, so Kelly borrowed some for this purpose. Mandy took Charlie's arm and made him walk around in Anita's heels. They had about a three-inch heel, so they presented quite a challenge for him to walk in. Very good, Charlie. Keep practicing and you'll be a pro before you know it, teased Mandy. All four women giggled and talked to each other in hushed tones as they made Charlie practice walking up and down the hallway in his heels. Several Zetas saw him and he was totally humiliated by the spurks and giggles. Kelly pulled Charlie back into the bedroom and in front of the full-length mare. Just look at this pretty new sissy pledge, said Kelly. Stop it, Kelly, barked Charlie. I'm not a sissy. All four girls laughed out loud, watching the boy in makeup, heels, and a dress insist that he was all man. Okay, it's time you phoned your accomplice, sissy boy, said Mandy, handing him the phone that she had pulled out of his pants pocket earlier. Please don't make me call him, begged Charlie. I'll take the full punishment. Oh, you're right, you will, said Mandy, but so will he. Call him right now. And if you tell him what's going on, we're going to be making a call to the police. And believe me, the way you were dressed right now, you don't want that, said Kelly. What do I even tell him, asked Charlie. Tell him things are forgiven. And if he'll help us with something that he'll enjoy, then we won't make any complaints about the wall or anything but we need him to come over right away to discuss it, said Mandy. Grudgingly, Charlie phoned up Scott and told him exactly what Mandy wanted. So that was Raina Means Queen with her reading of the story Sorority Bitches by myself and Claudia Costa. And, uh, wow, I feel like we're uh, maybe about the halfway mark of this season, and we've had some just some great readings, some great audios. Um... I'm really, really happy with the quality of the narration I've had. And I just want to thank everybody for all their support. Um, pledges, um, reviews, just getting the word out there. It means so much to us all. So thank you so much. Um, I hope you're enjoying summer. For me, it feels like it's just about to end. Ugh. But um, it's been a good one. So take care. And I will be here next Monday. I hope you will be too. Take care.